I do appreciate his consistency. I appreciate his gamemanship. I appreciate him focusing every week on the opponent at hand. He never looks ahead. He never reflects. He hasn't reflected at all so far this season. And I appreciate he, just the culture that he's put in place. There she is on W, excuse me, on right here on 670 The Score talking to Bernstein and Holmes. Of course, she is the sports anchor at WGN, good friend of the show, good friend of both Clay and I. Good to talk to her again. And she's joining us right now on the guest hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois. It is none other than Caitlin Sharkey. Sharkey, what up? What's up, guys? How are you? It's been a minute. You know, Clay, you know, Caitlin and I used to be real friends back in the day. And then <laughs> she jumped ship, went to GN, and then I just, you know, I was like, it's like, it's like, uh, I just, you know, that's just what it was. It's all good. I didn't think that severed our friendship, Gabe, but. I, I didn't think it did either, Caitlin. <laughs> we're still friends. We're still friends. Uh, well, well, we might not be after this conversation about the Chicago Bears. Um, oh, boy. Okay. Cl- clearly, yeah. there are, are two different directions here. You and I haven't had the opportunity to talk about it, Caitlin. Um, but, you know, what I mentioned before the break was, you know, you've been closer to this team than 99% of the people in the Chicagoland area. So, you know, you've kind of seen Justin Fields closer than most. You've kind of felt the energy in the building, and we know guys have had his back. Um, but when you think about Justin Fields and his future as a Chicago Bear or, you know, in the NFL, what does that look like to you? I think that's what makes all of this so difficult because a lot of times it's easy to say when you're removed from a situation, you're removed from the personal relationships and the, you know, the personalities of these players, coaching staff, the culture they've set in place. You take that away, it's very easy to look at Caleb Williams at the top of the draft board and say, this is, chance of a lifetime to get this generational talent. Of course, it's a no-brainer. But then it's like you get inside the workings of the locker room and what this team has been through in the last couple seasons, what Justin Fields has been through, the growth that he's shown, but also knowing, okay, this is who we have. This is what we have. We can do better. We should do better. Um, I think this is what makes it so difficult because when you think about how important a culture is in a locker room and that stuff matters. And I know people are like, okay, when you're just comparing quarterbacks, you know, one may be better than the other, but we're not guaranteed that, but you are guaranteed that it's going to shift a certain dynamic. I think if they decide that they got to part ways with Justin Fields, it's going to matter a little bit to those guys inside the locker room. So what did, what did you say about that, Caitlin? Did, did you give us your take on what they should do? <laughs> My take changes every other week because again, it goes, <laughs> It goes to the personal relationships. I think Justin has handled his time in Chicago already as a pro and he has grown and he's dealt with some, you know, offensive coaching changes and playbook changes and working with the pieces that he had and didn't have until DJ Moore arrived. So I think there is something to be said about what value Justin Fields brings. But in that same regard, if you're not, if you're able to get a whole bunch of stuff for Justin Fields and other teams that need a quarterback uh, are willing to play ball with you and give you a whole bunch of draft capital, and it's hard to ignore that. And I think they understand that situation. I think they should not just let Justin walk for something to get the shiny toy. Bring them both on board, Clay. (laughs) (laughs) Bring bring Williams in and just keep Justin. These are athletic guys, and um, Ryan Poles was the director of college scouting when the Bears drafted, when the Bears, when the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes. Guess who their quarterback was? Alex Smith. 
They had two of them on set. So I don't think I think there was nothing off the table in that situation. But I want to switch gears a little bit here and get your take on some of these hires. Obviously, over the weekend, uh, the Bears um, agreed to terms with Eric Washington as the new defensive coordinator, and uh, the week before, Shane Waldron from the uh, from the Seahawks. So I just want to get your take on these two hires. How do you feel about them? I feel good. I feel like they, you could tell that it was an exhaustive, thorough search because there were a lot of names in both of the candidates for both positions. And starting with defensive coordinator, I think this one was a little bit more, not that there was less pressure on it, because obviously you don't want a repeat of whatever happened with Alan Williams and his departure. (laughs) You don't want a repeat of that. But I think there was less pressure in the sense that Matty Berflus is going to likely continue to call that defense. We saw what that defense was able to do under his direction. So now you bring in a guy like Eric Washington with just 20 years of experience, the last four in Buffalo, you know, Buffalo especially, their pass rush, and I think they're fourth most in sacks in the NFL. So that's what that's exactly what Matt Eberflus has started to build, wants to build, and they bring in someone opposite of Montez Sweat on the other side. I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So I think it's a great move. He has tons of experience. Offensively, the offensive coordinator position, it'll be – I think he has more experience than we saw with Luke Getze, and I think what he's done with Geno Smith has – that's something to be said. And I know people were trying to read the tea leaves. Like, what does that mean? You know, they bring on Waltrip. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean for Justin Fields? But I think both directions they yeah. went, you feel like they did their due diligence. And I think both Poles and Eberflus learned some hard lessons last year when it came to hiring because when you have coaches leaving in the middle of the season, early on in the season for HR complaints and other issues, yeah. that's not a good look. So I think they've learned some lessons. Not a good look at all. We're talking to Caitlin Sharkey from WGN here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez, along with nine-year NFL vet Clay Harbor. A lot of people were shocked, Caitlin, about uh, a, a, a position that they didn't move on from, and that was the head coach, with Coach Eberflus. Did you think that was the right move? And what do you think was the reasoning uh, Ryan Poles decided to, you know, in his heart of hearts, to just stick with uh, Flus instead of moving on and grabbing somebody else? I was not surprised because I think over the last eight games, it felt like when Ryan Poles came out and it felt like the whole Bears organization was burning to the ground and everything was going wrong and that terrible start and Alan Williams is leaving, you thought, okay, Ryan Poles comes out and he spoke so highly of Matt Eberflus in that moment, and they only continued to get better. And to Matt Eberflus's credit, no, I don't think he had a, a, a great second year, but I also think he learned a lot from his first year and he right that ship. I mean, yeah. th- what that defense was able to do and to go through all of that, just a mess. I mean, there were weeks <laughs> that I'd go up to Hallis and I'd be like, what is it today? Like, what is going to happen? And th- the guys like that culture remained strong. And you could tell that they figured out how in certain ways to get better. And I think it was just clear that they loved what Matt Eberflus wanted and they wanted just some continuity because I think you bring in an also a different head coach. It just feels like you're just constantly shaking it up, putting it down, expecting it to settle. And I think that's not what they wanted, the direction they yeah, wanted to go. And, and it's interesting, Caitlin, because I said the same thing. I was like, guys, are we not, are we all not watching the same thing? Like this team sucked the first year when he was had it and he had them playing hard every week. And then this year amidst all the, you know, everything that was going on in the locker room with Justin, with mm-hmm. Bajan, with the coaches, he still had them thinking at the end of the year, four weeks left, that they were going to make the playoffs and really play hard. But but I guess my – and I, I agreed with it too. I thought he was going to be on, like I said. 
But I guess my, the the part that the unknown that scares me is how good of a coach can he be? Can he be mm-hmm. a, a coach that's going to take you for ten years, or is it just what you mentioned, find, trying to find continuity and hoping that it works out? But but it may not. What do you think can be the ceiling for a guy like Coach Flus? I think it's a tough question because to me, it I don't see him being a I don't I don't know if I see Matt Eberflus as the head coach of the Bears for the next ten years. For something something just tells me. Uh, I don't want it to go wrong, Gabe, especially for you, but it always seems like the Bears have some kind of issue, right? Even if they get the quarterback they've been wanting, now they're going to have coaching issues or something like that. I think it's just a lack of experience, but maybe that'll help Iberflus over. I think the Bears, most importantly, just need to raise their standard of what they think is good enough. And I know they've said it a bunch of times, and we heard Ryan Poles talk about it, and Kevin Warren, and of course Matt Iberflus. You know, we need to be better, championship caliber team. Well, then you have to really make noticeable leaps and bounds. Like you can't just, okay, three wins on this season, then seven wins on this season, next win, okay, next year we get to nine or ten. Like that's not good enough. So how long are you going to let someone stay around and just be good, competitive, but not consistently in the playoffs? He doubled his wins, guys. This guy, they had three wins, Gabe. They They had three they played the butt of the NFL. They had three wins, and they go, and they go to seven wins. <laughs> okay, and they finished. They finished strong. I look at the strong. rest of the, the division, though, Clay, and you you like now you're going to have to battle it out with some pretty pretty tough teams. It's they looking beat like, the Lions. The North. They it. beat yeah. the Lions. That's it. And, and, and Josh then Dobbs. They, that's it. And then they and then they should have beat them the first time. They beat them the second time. I think they can play with these teams. But here's the other thing I wanted to ask you about this team. Obviously, you got. A solid base, a solid foundation. But what are the needs, obviously, outside of quarterback? We've been talking about that. What other needs do you see in this roster? Where should the Bears go, assuming they go quarterback one? What are they doing with nine? What are they going to hit in free agency? What other positions of need do you see on this Bears team? They need to, in the draft, for sure, address wide receiver because I think and this is no dis- disrespect to Darnell Mooney and the rest of the wide receivers in that group, but outside of DJ Moore, there's just no wide receiver group. Cole so Komet all the disrespect be... to those guys. <laughs> no, no, I love Darnell Clay, if Mooney. If you say it in the beginning, I mean... it doesn't count. Okay? Yeah. That's good. But he, know, he knows. He would yeah. say the same thing. He was a non-factor for this team. Yeah. So I think wide receiver addressed that in the draft, edge rusher addressed that in the draft. In free agency, go get a really good veteran center if you can or some kind of depth at that offensive line, because I don't think Lucas Patrick, I think center was definitely an issue for this team more yeah. times than not. And I get O-linemen get banged up all the time, so there's always a ton of moving parts. But that's something you can address in free agency. And I feel like this is the first time, though, in the last couple of years, I feel pretty good about the number of holes they need to fill. But wide receiver is just so, it's just so glaring. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they, need, they need another vet. It's painful, and, and, and I, I, you know, that's where I go back to Justin Fields, right? Where yes, the wide receiver room was bad, better than it was the year before. Yeah, but I, I, the part that I was missing from Justin was at least some sort of jump, right? Like I didn't need it to be some astronomical. Go look, Clay. Go look. I know you're crunching your face. I already looked at the numbers, so I know the answers. <laughs> what? Go ahead. There was a jump for sure. Yeah, go ahead. Go look at the jump. All right, you keep talking. Yeah. Not a, not a. I got, I got DJ Moore jump tell you that one but uh, but i'm I, I guess what i'm saying what i'm trying to get at Kaylin, is 
a lot of people are like, yo, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Brock Bowers, Justin Fields is taking us to the promised land. And my biggest yeah. rebuttal to that is like, I just don't know if Justin Fields can get those guys the ball, right, consistently, right? I mean, even though, like, can you, can you, can you get eight or nine targets to each of those guys with a Cole Komet getting six? Like, do you think Justin Fields is the guy that can accomplish that? I know you said you keep him, but like, do you think that he would just be able to still just win? Or you think like, yo, you give him these guys, he's going to be able to get the best out of them and they're going to be able to get the best out of him. I think he has the talent and ability to, if he's in the right offense and they're running the right plays and everyone's doing their job. I think at times it just became, I mean, the last couple of games of the season, we're watching Trent Taylor and Tyler Scott and Bayless Jones Jr. lining up outside. I'm like, what in the world? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a serious thing, and I, I know people are like, well, a good quarterback can make the most out of any weapons they have, and I mean, the quarterback in Green Bay was doing that with some of the young receivers. So yeah, I think a lot of it does fall on Justin. I think he could have been better at times, but I also think it was this perfect storm of like lack of talent, the play calling wasn't right, wasn't a good fit, and then Justin, I think he definitely needs to grow. If they decide to keep him, he needs to grow leaps and bounds when it comes to, like you said, distributing you know, the passes, Cole Komet and uh, DJ Moore, everyone's got that figured out. They need to, to to widen the horizons a little bit if they want to be successful. No, absolutely. Uh, if there's, I want to get this for, from you. Who was your biggest surprise of this year in a good way? Instead of all this negative stuff, we're talking negative. Who was the biggest surprise for you when you came into the year? Obviously, training camp, you, were, you weren't expecting much from this guy. Then at the end of the year, you were like, wow. Like, this guy really had a solid year. Who was that for you on the Bears team? Oh, man. I think defensively, I'm going to have to go maybe Tyreek Stevenson. I think as a rookie, he really yeah. handled himself. He had some, you know, the learning curve. He had and some he moments, started slow. Yeah, I was like, man, this guy. <laughs> penalties. Yeah. 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 But by the end of the year, I yeah. thought he was just. And the way that secondary is so strong, and I feel like they kind of gelled together, they fed off of each other, and Tyreek learned a lot. And by the end of the season, I'm excited to see what year two looks like for him. And then offensively, I would just say it seems obvious, but Cole Komet, I think, yeah. yes, there were high expectations for Cole, but he took it to a whole nother level this year because I think he was a strong tight end. He was a strong target last season. But this past season, he also grew tremendously for that offense. It was a critical part of it. She's Caitlin Sharkey. I am Gabe Ramirez along with Clay Harbor. This is 670 to score. Caitlin, you know, Clay and I were talking. Clay and I, you know, we stepped out a couple times to some good restaurants, you know, in the city. It is restaurant week mm. in Chicago, mm. Caitlin. Uh, curious, top spots. I know, I know you, I know my, you, you and my, 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 my <laughs> home girl, you know, from Bears oh. Unleashed. Cassie Carlson, you guys go out all the time. So I know you guys got some good good wrecks. Tell me, tell me your favorites in the city right now. Oh man. Rosemary is one of my mm, absolute favorites. West Loop. Shout out to Petros. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, being over by the West Loop, I'm always I'm always checking out the West Loop. So Rosemary's my top spot right now. Okay. That's my top spot. Tell you got for us. You got anything else? I want I know I about Rosemary. Sierra. I want something new. I, I want something Sierra. I haven't heard You've about. Been a Cabra or Lazy Bird inside the Hoxton? That's really good. Heard, um, yeah, La- Lazy Bird, good. great cocktails. Abba, Abba's phenomenal. Abba Always love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are probably my favorite spots. But yeah, I 
And we don't go out all the time. Yeah, Gabe making it sound like you guys are just out yeah. every night of the week. Oh, no, I've seen day. Cassie since the season ended. I, that's what I'm saying. All I know is that I just go to, I show up to work every Friday, and there's a story about Caitlin Sharkey and Cassie Carlson and the girls. Oh. And I'm just like here for it. I'm like, wow, this is great. I'm glad you guys are hanging out. There's so, some incredible women that I get to work with alongside the Bears beat. So I'm appreciative of that. That turned into really good friends. So and, I love it. You are, are, are incredible as well, Caitlin. And I'm oh, glad thanks. you were able to give us some of your time today today and hang out with us. Caitlin Sharkey from WGN. Have a great night, Caitlin. Thanks, Caitlin. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. See you soon. Of course. Make sure you guys follow her on Twitter. K Rose Sharkey. Catch her on WGN. Obviously, she also hosts GN Sports uh, with uh, Jared Payton as well. Uh, just great stuff. Caitlin always says she's, she's a Packers fan, though. No, she ain't. What? Man. she's So she works for the Bears and WGN? Is she a Packer fan? It's because her family's from Wisco. That's uh that's be hard for her then, huh? Trust me, when we were doing shows together, I'd be like, "Don't you don't you smirk?" How yeah, how's a Packer fan cover the Bears like without having a, a bias? It's hard. If I was covering the Packers, I'd be talking trash. No, 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 you can't do that here. But I'm saying, if I was a, a you know a Bears fan, you grow up a Bears fan. My dad told me in draft day, he says, "Hey, there's only one team." That you 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 can't get drafted from, and I taking a, a visit to Green Bay. I'm like, I think it might get drafted by him. He's like, you you can, or you're getting disowned. disowned and he was serious. He's like, if you if you go to the Packers, like we're disowning you. And I'm like, that's messed up. But you know, luckily I got drafted by the Eagles, and when we played the Bears, my first year here in 2010, they ended up beating us. I had three catches that game. Um, Let's go highlight real playing baby. against Peppers, Erlacher, Briggs, all those guys. Um, he wore a Eagles hat and a Bears shirt to the game. Fair. I just messed up. No, that's I mean, fair. You can't support your son. That's not that, he did. So your son goes no, to the league. No, and no, no, he supported you. No, no, yeah. no, no. He supported you. But he still wore Bears stuff. It took everything in his heart to put on an Eagles hat. Trust me. Yeah. Everything in his heart. He did not want, especially he didn't want to show up to Soldier Field. <laughs> At Soldier Field, yeah. Wearing an Eagles hat. Yeah. God bless your dad. Yeah. And his love for you. Don't you dare disrespect that man. And I, th- I think that was messed up. So I'm like, Dad, I still can't believe you did that. I man. met your pops. Great man. Oh, yeah, you did. I you did, did meet your you pops. Did. You did. Great man. Yeah. Don't you dare. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you dare disrespect. Yeah. I mean, well, come on, Clay. What do you want to do? Head to toe, Clay Harbor jersey. Bro, where are the Clay Harbor Eagles jersey? This is your son. But it's your fandom. Just got drafted to the NFL. You played on three teams, five teams. Okay, at this point, I was on one team. It was, I was my rookie, rookie year. I had just gotten drafted, and I chose to play in those teams, okay? I had okay. the chance to Wait, stay. No, time, time. I want to be very clear, and I want to cut you off because I really need you to hear this. I am amazed that you played with Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Those, those, like, no. nobody. You're never going to be like, I chose or trying to. No. That, this is amazing things that you did. Well, I, I just hear, like, the journeyman thing. Like, <laughs> no. Oh, I could have stayed in Jacksonville no. the rest of my career. I chose to leave. No. Those people and are, after that, those people are, spiraled, are idiots. But, yeah. Whoever says that is dumb. You caught yeah. Pat. You're able to tell stories just like you did with Trey Wingo about catching passes from Drew Brees, getting picked up at 6 in the morning. Yeah. No. No. There's yeah. no. No. Yeah, no, that was dope. Those are honestly. great stories. There's no, yeah. no, it's better that than saying, than keep continuing to catch passes from Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert, Blake <laughs> no, Bortles, no shade at those Chad guys, Henney. But just yeah. trying to keep it real. He'll play with Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to do that one too. I'm going to take that shot. Clear. All right, uh, we're going to keep the conversation going. Got about 40 more minutes with you guys, man. Hanging out till 9 o'clock with, as you heard, nine year NFL vet Clay Harbor. Um, Clay, you mentioned, you know, that you wanted to, you know, really, 
you're still on the fence about Ryan Poles. So I'm curious if, if we you, you can tell me some things that you feel like if he did, then you'll be in. All right, in this offseason. Yeah, what? the jury's still out. I'm not well, ready to crown, so, you enough. know, as some people say on Twitter, King Polls. You know, I think that he's done a nice job, but I like the jury's still out. And there like are what grade some are you things. Giving? What grade are you giving him up until this point? He's getting a he's getting a B minus. Not even a B. You're giving him an 82, not an 85. Getting a B, B minus. 85. Maybe I'll give him a B. I agree. 85. That was easy. Give yeah, him a that, B. That was easy. Get a B, man. You, you're not getting an That's A. Solid. Be a solid. You're doing okay work. You're doing okay work. You're passing. You know, you're passing. You've brought in some big players, but all right, all right, all right, you're not all great all right. yet. All right. So after the break, Clay's going to tell us what Ryan Poles needs to do in the offseason in order for him to get yeah. an A. And then I want you guys to have the opportunity as well. All right. Text lines are open. We got Alex Kuhn producing today. So when you call in right now, he's answering your calls. 312-644-6767. What would you like to see Ryan Poles do this offseason that, that would then solidify that he is, in fact, Keen Poles? 312-644-6767. We'll take your calls on the other side. It's Gabe. It's Clay. It's 670. The score I have a lot of confidence in Ryan Poles. I've known him since when he was a young pup as well. I mean, you talk about Shane being a young pup with me. Well, Ryan was, when I was with the one year I was with the Chiefs, he was another one of those young, those young guys in the scouting department. And here he is, the general manager of the Bears, getting ready to make probably the most consequential decisions that the Bears have made in quite some time. We're back with more Gabe Ramirez and Clay Harbor on Sports Radio 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. Also with Alex Kuhn doing an amazing job producing today. Alex, my guy, let's go. Charlie Weiss right there talking to Mully and Haw. And, you know, what are some things that, that you would like to see? What, what are some things that Ryan Poles can do if you're on the fence? I'm not. I know in, in this job as a GM, you're not going to hit 100% of the time. It's just impossible. It just doesn't work like that. So, you know, what, what did Leo say? Don't judge me by my failures. Judge me by my successes or the opposite. <laughs> what did he say? Alex, you, I feel like you would know that. Wolf of Wall Street quote. <laughs> Leo Stoddaher? <laughs> our, our coworker? DiCaprio. Oh, Leo. Okay. Same Wolf thing. of Wall Street. Hey, hey, same thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, Wolf of Wall Street right there. So, again, I mean, if, if you're telling me he goes to bat 10 times and he has success on eight of them, I like that GM. And to me, he's there. And I trust him with – I trust his decision-making. Okay. And Here's – yeah. I like it. Go ahead. Hit me with it. No. So like, Give me some things, though, that he can do to make you, like, you know, turn the corner. Before we start this, though, is the quarterback <clears throat> position going to – We're not going to – No, I'm saying, like, I know we'll get into what he can do. But that's going like, to be his biggest legacy. Right. Is that going to outweigh everything else that he does? Like yes. Ryan Pace. Yeah. Unfortunately, the quarter like when people look back, it's like that's going to be his legacy. Is what quarterback did you pick? It's like Ryan Pace. You didn't pick Patrick Mahomes. You know, it's like you went with Mitch Trubisky. Would Patrick Mahomes be Patrick? You traded up for him. Would Patrick Mahomes be? Then you trade up for Justin Fields. You gave up a lot. People don't remember. You gave up a lot for Justin Fields. Two first round picks. Two first round picks, man. So, I think that's why people are a little invested in. Justin Fields, too, is because you gave up so much. It's hard to to say, hey, man, I'm just ready to cut and run on that. But to me, Lucas Patrick, right? You need a center. You got to have a strong interior offensive line. 
You went into this season after last season knowing that you needed help at center. Obviously, Kobe Cody Whitehair was supposed to be the guy, but, I mean, he's getting older, and his play was declining too. So for me, to be perfect, what first thing he needs to do is sure up the whole line, and I think he did a pretty good job with Nate Davis was was solid. Uh, but be more specific. Tell me what that looks like. What does shoring up the old line look like? Is it five new guys? Is it a specific position, a starter and a backup, two starters? Like what? Tell yeah. me what that looks like to you. Yeah, to me it looks like two new starters. Yeah, two two new starters. I, I like Braxton Jones. I've always been on the Braxton Jones train. I think Darnell Wright is a starter. Solid year. People act like he was perfect. He was far from perfect, and he has a lot of work to do. But I think you saw the potential there, and he will get better. Nate Davis, ups and downs, but I think that Davis, he had a weird year. So let him his, be the swing guard. Let him be the swing with right. with some of his inform, you know, his weird family situations he was having where he wasn't playing or he was. And then you had uh Tevin Jenkins. I think if he stays healthy, he's an elite guard. And then Braxton, I think maybe you can bring in another left tackle. But sure up the offensive line in free agency. That's the first thing, Gabe. I think they I, I think they should get the center in free agency. Not you gotta get the center in free agency. Because here's what I try to tell a lot of people. If your two first round picks are gonna be spent on skill at skill positions whether it is Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers, or if you go get an O-line, you know, whatever, you get your tackle. You're not going to spend it on the center there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then after that, you're going third. You got a third and two-fourths. Yeah. By the time you get there, yeah, you're not going to have a great center. And for me, I'd rather just be like, no, no, no. I want no more problems at center. I want it to be, you know, an Olin Krutz type anchor. And so you go and, and you get a free agent that has proven they can have that they've had success in the NFL. To me, that's that's the number one free agent is go get a center. Yeah. No, absolutely. We've and, had too much trouble with that. Yeah. I mean, and pressure in your face. Like I could pull up ten clips of Lucas Patrick, and he wasn't just terrible all the time, but every single game there was like two plays. And there's only what, sixty offensive plays in a game? Like every play matters so much. And these were plays that are almost unforgivable plays where he just gets completely swam or bull rushes or falls or trips over somebody and you get pressure in your face right away and those are huge plays. So Lucas Patrick, I honestly wouldn't mind. I thought he got better near the end of the year. Wouldn't mind if he stayed on for a swing, but you don't really want him to be relied on. So he would have to be a depth piece. Probably best if you just let him go. As you said, yes, a center and free agency is probably number one priority. And then, obviously, what are you doing with that ninth pick, Gabe? Are you are you going uh, Dallas Turner, the outside linebacker from Alabama? If Joe Alt's there, do you go with him? Does Neighbors fall to nine? Do you go wide receiver? If Neighbors is gone, if obviously Marvin Harrison Jr. is gone, if Odonze is gone, you need a wide receiver. You don't have another pick to the third round. What are you doing there? You got to sign some a wide receiver in free agency then, because Darnell Mooney had a down season, just like Caitlin Sharkey was saying. DJ Moore was doing everything on his own. Obviously, Cole Komet had a big year. Cole Komet ain't a get open tight end. Cole Komet is his I'm bigger than you tight end. Yeah. So you need another wide wide receiver. That is a need, and then you got to have depth because these guys aren't going to stay healthy every game. So for me, you need two solid wide receivers. Bayless Jones, you got to cut and run with him. That was a pick that Poles made. Terrible pick. Everybody's saying this guy's a six-round pick. You pick him in the third. The guy can't catch a cold in the winter. 
Awful pick. So he's gone. Tyler Scott, I think, has potential, but he didn't show much this year. He showed it at the end, though. Last couple games of the season, he you showed were like, he could drop footballs. <laughs> I hear uh, fair. That's fair because it happened, right? I, I think it, it, there are there were also moments where you're like, okay, at least this guy looks like a wide receiver. Yeah, he's he's like a, quick. Like he can yeah. be good. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. okay, you're gonna drop some. You're a rookie. Okay, you're yeah. getting in your action, your first action. Like you said, first couple games in the league, you just set it off the air. You know, bright lights. It's tough. Yeah, maybe hopefully, hopefully that's what he was dealing with. <laughs> yeah, but I hear what you're saying though to address the position. Yeah. 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 Okay. So for me, that you you got to so address O-line, wide receiver number nine wide receiver right there, and then keep building on this defense. I know we were dropping the stats from earlier in the show how they were doing from week ten to week seventeen, and Montez Sweat, and they were sixteenth in sacks from ten to seventeen. If you can find another defensive end, an edge rusher. I don't know if it's in the draft. Obviously, you only got those two first picks. You said it till the third round. It's tough. So maybe free agency, maybe the draft. You're still top 10 in cap space. I think you're at number nine. If you get rid of Eddie Jackson, you climb to like six or seven or five, somewhere in there. I got to look that up on the break. But you need another edge rusher, and I think that will take your defense to another level with the pressure. They led the, the league in interceptions. You got to bring back JJ. If you if you franchise him, you franchise him. Hopefully, he can get a deal done. But overall, to me, the next thing he needs to do, number three, is find another edge rusher that can apply pressure. Because you know what that does to the te- the de- the offense is up front. I know. I've been in those meeting rooms. It's like okay, we're facing. You can't focus on one guy. It, they go. This is the guy we're chipping. Okay, when you face a team with one edge rusher, you know who you're chipping all week. He's getting chipped. He's going to have a bad game. He ain't doing nothing. He's getting chipped. All right, no sex. If you got two guys now on the edges, you don't know who you're now you're chipping with two players. In these third third and long situations, now you got less guys out in the flat. You got guys less guys out in the route. So it's better for your defense. You get another edge rusher. Opens up the one-on-ones for Dexter, for Justin Jones, who came on strong after Montez Sweat got there because this leads, this bubble leads to more one-on-ones when you got better players on the outside. So that's number three polls. Find us one okay. more edge rusher, and and that will be big. I like it. I like it. So, again, the three, the recap is short up the old line, number nine, go wide receiver. Yeah. Defense, what are you going to do on the other side of the edge? You know, is it via free agency or, as we mentioned, you know, with the draft picks that the Bears have. So just a reminder, Bears have the two first-round picks, one and nine. They have the third round pick, uh, which is 75. Mm. And then they have two fourths and a fifth, right? That's that's the whole sixth. And those those last three haven't been decided because they're still compensatory picks that need to be uh yeah. doled out. So that is is the unknown. The known is that you're gonna get three of the top 75 players in the NFL draft. That's gonna that are gonna be able to help your team at the very bare minimum, barring a trade or anything like that. I think, you know. As we talked about, the number nine position, you know, remember, I, you're assuming the Bears are going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. Well, I don't think you would be there at nine. No, I know, but I'm saying, are you, st- the question is, are you still, are you, then if they go Marvin Harrison Jr., what are you doing at nine? Oh, if, if they trade down? Yeah. Yeah, if they go, then, then you, I mean, it opens up so much. And that's why I'm like, when people say it's Justin versus Caleb, it's not. Right. It's Justin. It's the assets. For, it, it's versus the assets. You go down to four or five, which I think where M- Marvin Harrison Jr. will go. And maybe if you if he's not there, Romo Don- Odunze is one B. People don't, don't think he's just as good as Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm sorry. And then you can sure up O tackle. 
Joe Alt, if he's there, he's probably he might be gone. But if you if you do that, then you could do a double dip on offense. And this would be an aggressive move, but it would be a move that I like because it was my old position. Okay? Brock Bowers. Brock right? Bowers, bro. You give me Brock Bowers and Cole Komet on the field. Shane Waldron knows how to how to play to his players' strengths. This could be some Gronk Hernandez type stuff. Komet is base is baby Gronk. He's the guy blocks it's like, like Gronk. He can catch passes. It's like it's like me talking about Puerto Rico. You know, you guys know how I get hyped up about Puerto Rico or maybe the Bulls sometimes. <laughs> Tight ends, man. That's <laughs> That'd be my dream. Of course, it sounds amazing. <laughs> yes. Right? And then if I'm like, damn, that does sound good. I can only imagine what it sounds like in your <laughs> head. You're like, oh my god, offenses yes. will not be able to stop that. Bowers, you can. This guy's so athletic. You can, he's like a Travis Kelsey type player. Obviously, he's not yeah. going to be Travis Kelsey, but there hasn't been a tight end prospect like him that I've watched. And you look at my, you know who's my top tight, I'll pull up the receipts. Who's my top tight end prospect last year? Sam Laporta. Your boy called it, okay? Mm-hmm. I like this. I love Brock Bowers. He is, he, he's not the best blocker, but he is just so versatile in what he can do. He's a natural hands catcher. He can make contested catches. He runs good routes. He has good eyes down the field. He really knows how to run routes. He's beyond his years. So I think he's a guy that could come in right away yeah. and make a big difference. Dal- so, Dalton so, Kincaid type guy. So if it's if it's if it's if it's Roma Dunze, yeah. if it's if it's uh Malik Neighbors and Brock Bowers, all available at night for whatever reason. Mm. And you don't ever I mean I, I, ooh. See, that's a great question because Clay, you brought up Braxton Jones and how much yeah. you like what he's done. Right. But if like Joe Alt and the kid from Penn State are there, you're think you've kind of said you're thinking maybe no, no, no. About pulling the trigger. And then at tight end, they have a good tight end. And if Brock Bowers is there, but what if they can add a guy like Malik Neighbors? Right. Yeah. I'll tell Clay and I have done shows together, and I do remember him saying when we discussed this before that he would not go O-line o at nine. No. Right. I remember that. No. That's because I, I so think that then? Braxton Jones has done a solid job. He has. And you're, you're not paying him anything. He's on a rookie deal, and he was a fifth rounder. He ain't getting nothing. He's he's still eating his meals at the facility. He ain't going out to eat. He don't got a personal chef. He's eating at the facility. Right. That's what fifth rounders do, bro, on that rookie contract. That was me. You know, you get your extra food from the facility and you go home. Yeah. You keep that guy on the roster. That's a left tackle that you're paying that. That stirs up so much money for you because that's a high money position. If he is playing well enough to keep him there, that does so much for the rest of your roster just because you don't have to pay a left that. tackle that you're usually paying $25 million a year. I love that. I, yeah. love, I, I love the fact that, that that's insight that we don't necessarily think about it. We always attach it to the quarterback position, right? Or, people talk. That's what I'm saying. The quarterback clock, man. And you get you would get so many of these game-time players, these big first-round draft picks on these rookie contracts. Now you'd have a number one receiver and a tight end and, or ta- whatever you want to go on rookie deals for five years. Yeah. The money ends up working in your favor if you did trade that pick. Yeah, that's why draft capital is just so good. That's why I think with number nine, Clay, that it is an opportunity for the Bears to to drop down if you know their A guys aren't available. Right? Yeah, like we mentioned, you, you said it could be Bo Nix, it could be somebody, right? I think somebody's going to be thirsty enough to want to get down the nine to get their quarterback, whoever yeah. that might be, if someone is available. Yeah, and I think that, said it. I think with the Bears being able to move down. 
I've been watching so much tape on these wide receivers just to kind of see like how deep it goes because they're saying it's, it's a deep wide receiver class as well. Yeah. Like the guys that are, you know, even just a little further down, that's why I think if the Bears, you know, could trade down because they'd say to themselves, okay, well, you know, two guys that I really like, Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, right? You, you look at Jaden Daniels, he wins the Heisman. Why? Because he's throwing it to Malik Neighbors, little baby, yeah. baby Tyreek Hill. And then he's throwing it to Brian Thomas Jr., 6'4", 205, over the top. Yeah. Like, and he, he's, yeah. he's a big guy, and I like him, right? And that's what the Bears would want, right? He's quick and he's yeah. over the top. The other guy that I really like is Troy Franklin from Oregon. Mm. A lot of people are really big on Bo Nix. You go look at Troy Franklin's tape. You want to look at, like, a good <laughs> route runner? Yeah. Like a slick route runner. Because all those other guys, you know, they're going over the top. It's college football. They're, you know, getting their things. It's they're, tall, They're too. breaking away from people. Yeah, Troy Franklin, 6'3", he's just skinny. So he's like a faster, skinny guy. So, yeah. you know, come to Chicago, Papa. I will put, you, put some weight <laughs> on you. I'll take you to some Puerto Rican spots. Chuleta de todo. We're going to get it all to you. And then that way you get to like 200. Let my abuelita holler at you. And then you'll be fired. So I, I'm just saying that there's – I want other people to be looking at other wide receivers yeah. because this is a deep class. And Keon guys Coleman, too, good. from Florida State. Oh Big 6'4", 215, 220-pound guy. Nasty. I like him, too. I don't nasty. know how he's fallen so far. I guess the wide receiver class is it's so deep. deep. That's yeah. what they're saying. They're saying that Roman Dunze would be an A, like the one – if it was a different draft class. Yeah. They're saying that about Malik Neighbors, but yep. Marvin Harrison pushes them down. So if they are now the three, like the guys below them are just as good. So why it's not gonna move be a bit, out of yeah. the it's gonna be It's going to be – I can't wait. All right. Yeah. We got one more segment for you guys. And uh, I really want to, Clay, ask you something specific. It's like we're going to go philosophical on the tail end of the show. Mm. A like lot you. of people talk about timing. Yeah. With route running, with – the connection between quarterback Huge. and wide receiver, exactly. And I, I think I would, I would, I personally would love just a little more. Again, the philosophy behind it, right? But the timing, the, the importance of it, the, 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 all of that on the other side when we go out. So for you, I don't want you to go anywhere. Nine-year NFL vet, played the tight end position at the highest level in the NFL. He is going to tell you about timing, how important it is, and I want you to use that when making your decisions about not only Justin Fields, but Caleb Williams and anyone else that you might like in this draft. We'll do that right after this. It's Gabe Ramirez. It's Clay Harbor at 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez and nine-year NFL vet Clay Harbor, who's caught plenty of passes in the NFL from Tom Brady, Drew Brees. That's it. Oh, Michael Vick. Michael Vick. I don't want to say all the all the people, but I'll say yeah. those three are very important. Uh, and he understands the importance of timing. And I think mm. when a lot of people are talking about Justin Fields, maybe someone who could supplant him, they talk about the benefit of having said uh, a skill set. And I want you to talk about just, you know, the importance of it and, and, and how, how you saw it and just, yeah, your, your interpretation of it. Yeah, so timing, I think it's, it's this connotation, like what do people mean by timing? For NFL players, for me, here's timing. I know when I go up to the line of scrimmage and I look across at the defense, 90% of the time, before I get a ball thrown to me, an on-time ball, if I don't know if there's a play extension, whatever, I go, I'm getting this ball. It's like in my head, I go, this is coming to me. I see the coverage. I see how they're playing me. And the quarterback should know that too, and I know where the ball should be at. I know what hole the ball should be at. And what people mean by timing is 
you do all the reps in the offseason, obviously, in the game is a little different because you got to see how the defensive reacts, but you get all those reps in so you know exactly when and where the ball is going to be there in a specific situation. I There was plays, like you're playing with Tom Brady, there's plays you don't even have to turn your head and look for the ball. Mm-hmm. Like you don't turn it, you go, he ain't throwing this to me. There's a 0% chance Tom Brady's going to throw me this ball. You, you see the coverage, you're running a route, you are not the guy. Obviously, you got to run your route to make sure that you still keep the defensive player where he's supposed to be, but... There's, there's plays you go out there and you go, there is no chance I am not getting this ball. You're running, the, you're running around knowing people think, oh, there's like five options on this play. Right. There's some plays you go, no, I'm not getting this ball. <laughs> there's some plays you go, okay, um, uh, you know, he's probably going to start the progression over here, but if I can come back on this backside dig and hit this open window, there's a chance he gets to number three. It's like you know the timing and you know where the ball's going to be. You know where the hole's going to be. So that is very important when it comes to playing on time, and that's what people mean mean by that. When you're coming out of a a, a comeback as a wide receiver, I know I told you one offseason, I played wide receiver at the Philadelphia Eagles. They moved me to wide receiver. I was playing wide receiver with Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, Jason Avant, Riley Cooper out there as an X and a Z. As a tight, they moved because I was a fast right, tight end. Right, right, right. I was Chip Kelly. He loved offense, so he loved it. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting, and I wasn't good. And I, I didn't realize how hard it was to get open out there when those defensive backs were just staring at you. So much easier to get open inside as a tight end. You're running routes on linebackers. You're running routes on safeties. Guys that still have to play in the running game, so they're not just focused solely on stopping a guy from running a pass, running a route. But, yes, timing, extremely important. But the other thing is, obviously, is is the off-schedule plays. You know what quarterback is back there. So sometimes the timing might be off. You know if that first window, you don't get it, you still got to make sure in the back of your head, you know, I play with Michael Vick, that sometimes this play is going to go for six or seven seconds. So you got to have a plan for after the route. So you run the route, you know you're not the guy, make sure you take that look back if you didn't throw it because now you got a chance to get open just because Mike is going to extend the play and get it to you downfield and give you an opportunity to make a play. So there's a lot that goes into with timing. Obviously, you got guys like Justin Fields. Who's the best at it? At timing? With, that you played with? Well, obviously, the guys Drew Brees, No, no, no Tom I want one Brady. name, one name, one name. Like I'm talking about, in, and I'm not talking about you know, in the NFL, and like I'm talking about, like when you were playing, ballsy caught, whether it was practice or off season or whatever. Wh- who had the nicest, best timing for you? Yeah, mostly, and you know, when I played with Drew and Tom, it was mostly off season, preseason, and stuff like right, that. Still catching but, the ball uh, from him? No, yeah, absolutely. But I, I mean, obviously, I would say Tom, Tom Brady, was the guy. Just obviously, and I know it sounds cliche because it's Tom Brady, but. The best of the best had the best timing, and that stuff's important. And that's how, that's what we want for next season. You're saying so. You, you change at the very end that you want Caleb Williams. Oh, you put words in my mouth. Oh, now. I thought you were saying. <laughs> I thought that's what you were saying. You're like, oh, time, time, best of the best. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, we know Justin's timing's a little off. Uh, you try. Gabe thought he got me there. That was the whole. Th- I thought Gabe was being cool, giving I me this time, explaining my timing. Man, this dude was setting me up the whole time to say that I was talking bad on Justin. That's good, man. You went the extra mile this time. No, no, I was merely, merely uh, trying to end on a laugh. Yeah, uh, and I want to end with some thanks as well. Uh, Trey Wingo. He hung out with us tonight, did a fantastic job. So good, job. man. Trey brings some good stuff. Listen to that on the podcast if you get the opportunity to. Sam Smith, 
Talking Bulls at 7. Bulls. And, of course, Caitlin Sharkey did a fantastic job as well. Yep. Uh, giving us some Bears insight into the locker room. That was good. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, also, thanks to Alex Kuhn doing a great job today. Coach Kuhn. I got a bowl. <laughs> I'm going to eat some cereal too, Alex. I promise you I am when I get home. All right. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Mi gente. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mi gente, that means my people. Hasta la próxima. That means until next time. I am Gabe Ramirez. He is nine-year NFL vet, Clay Harbor. And this is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.